Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. You see it on the news. You see it on the paper. You see it on Facebook. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. We finally get to Philly. We go to the grocery store, and I get a call from his sister, which is weird. I wouldn't normally, like, get a call from her. I'm in the car, parking lot of Walmart, and she's like, have you seen the news? And I'm like, no, what are you talking about? And she's like, just Google his name. And then she just hung up, nothing else. She just hung up on me. So I immediately just like Googled his name and all of the articles are coming up. I throw up in the Walmart parking lot. I'm like, literally in shock. It was the craziest thing. Welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I'm sitting here with Alexis Linkletter. And we are in this weird limbo week between Christmas and New Year's where nobody knows what they're doing in their lives. And I kind of love this week. I think we called it trash week, rotting on the couch week. It's the week that has no time. You don't know if it's morning, night. You don't know what day it is. Is it a weekend? Is it Monday? Rents due or mortgages are usually due in a couple days. We're in denial about that because we spent yeah. all our money on holiday gifts. Yes. It's a strange time of like anxiety and pleasure. Yes. Strange blend of the two. I always have like a weird anxiety this week. And I always am also like, this is the best week ever with no responsibilities for the most part. And it's like an amazing, like gluttony week. Like I don't care about my daily step count that week. No. I just want mimosas when I wake up. Yes. You know, I leave like wrapping paper all over the place, like responsibilities go out the window. Yes. You know what it is? It's like the week of Sunday Scaries. Like if Sunday Scaries was an entire week, it would be this week. Right. Because Sunday Scaries, pleasure is when, is a Sunday. But yeah, it's Sunday, also, Sunday. we know Monday is coming. Yes. Oh, that's <laughs> so true. Well, I hope everybody out there is holding up okay. <laughs> totally. Well, it is our last episode of the year. So happy new year to everybody. And um, I think that means we should probably just jump right in. Let's do it. All right, well, that's enough of that. So let's turn down the lights. And turn up your anxiety. Because this could be you. If someone wrongs us badly enough, many of us are familiar with that feeling of white-hot rage that we feel coursing through our bodies. And depending on the level of betrayal, most of the time we're able to recognize this as a heat-of-the-moment response. We're usually able to regulate our emotions back from the point of no return, stopping us from veering into the dangerous territory 
of saying or doing something we'll regret. But what happens to actually tip us into taking action that you can never come back from? Action that's unimaginable beyond comprehension. What are the mental gymnastics going on inside someone's head when their desire for retribution knows no bounds and they allow something else to take over entirely? So we begin today's case on December 24th of 2016. This is obviously Christmas Eve. So everybody around the country was wrapping their last minute gifts. They were probably leaving cookies out for Santa, like you know the drill. And the NBA and NFL were preparing themselves for their upcoming Christmas weekend games. Sadly, actress Carrie Fisher remained in intensive care after an apparent heart attack aboard an international flight just the day before. In pop music, the weekend featuring Daft Punks were at the top of the charts with the song Starboy. And in movie theaters, the Star Wars Rogue One starring Felicity Jones was the top grossing film, followed by the animated musical comedy Sing. In the setting for today's story is Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It's situated in the southeast of the state in Philadelphia County. And the city of over 1.5 million people is located about 105 miles east of the state capital, which is Harrisburg. Known as the birthplace of the United States, Philly is steeped in political, cultural, and architectural history. Today, Philly is known for its street art, eclectic and vibrant cultural scene, plus the many pop culture tourist attractions. Like, let's take Sylvester Stallone's run up the 72 steps of the Philly Museum of Art's East Entrance in the classic film Rocky. We have the Philly cheesesteak. And of course, we have the Fresh Prince, Will Smith, West Philadelphia born and raised reference that we all know and love. Oh, yes. And our first story for today's case is named Madison, and she used to live in Philly. Back in the mid-2010s, Madison had moved to Philly from West Virginia. She was in her early 20s, working as a hairstylist and living her best life, having a ton of fun and just killing it in general. I was a hairstylist. I worked like six days a week. I was very busy. No kids, no real commitment, just like kind of living. I'm from like a really small town and ended up doing hair in Philly. So it was like a totally different world. I was making a lot of money and just like having a lot of fun. One day, Madison was waiting for the bus, just minding her own business when a handsome, confident man approached her. I was sitting at a bus stop waiting for a bus and he just like pulled up, circled the block and came back and got out of his car and approached me. I have done all my dating pretty much online, so having someone, like, approach me in person was kind of, like, new to me. So it was intriguing a little bit. I wasn't weirded out. He had really good energy. He was super nice. If I would have met him in any other circumstance, he would have been approachable. It was nice. When he came up to me while I was sitting at the bus stop, he kind of started to tell me about his life because he was asking me like what I did. I had told him I was going to work. And so I kind of like explained what I did and stuff like that. We exchanged numbers. His name was Maurice or Reese for short. And a couple of days later, they went on a date. Maurice was not only tall, dark, and handsome, but successful. According to him, he ran his own business. And this was something that really impressed Madison. He picked me up and we went to a little like pub bar in South Philly. He told me that he owned a business. He told me that he basically did, like, a contract. I don't know if it was, like, Amazon. It was some sort of package delivery service in Philly that he said he owned, like, a little contract operation. He didn't really give a whole lot of information, but I was also very, like, naive, and I just kind of believed whatever he said. 
Madison even met Maurice's family at a barbecue, and Madison just loved the warm, homey kind of vibe that she got from meeting his relatives. The attention that he gave me was very fulfilling because he was just constantly complimenting me and just making every single, like, thing about me when we were talking. So it just felt really good. We went to, like, a cookout. I think it might have been July 4th, and he took me to meet his family, and to me that was like, oh, I'm meeting his family. It has to be, like, serious. They were actually cool. I was kind of nervous because the dynamics of family in Philly are a lot different than the dynamics of family where I'm from. So I was kind of nervous that I wouldn't really fit in, but everyone was really nice and welcoming. After that, things started to move a little quicker, like eat dinner together at each other's houses and like hang out basically all the time. Madison and Maurice had been dating for about a year when she went back home to West Virginia for the 2016 holiday season. I came home. My birthday is December 22nd, so I usually come home for an extended period of time for the holidays. So I was home the 21st of December all the way until like the 27th, maybe. I stopped hearing from him early Christmas Day was like the last time I heard from him. And... I was obviously concerned. Around December 27th, Madison returned to Philly with her best friend who was visiting from California. After her return, Madison naturally wanted to connect back with Maurice, but she was still having trouble reaching him. She called him for two days straight, but there was nothing. It just so happened that my like childhood best friend, she was in town from California and she was going to come stay a week with me in Philly and then fly from Philly back to L.A. We were on the way from West Virginia to Philly, and the entire time there, I just, like, had this eerie feeling. I don't know why I still haven't heard from him. This is either the 26th or the 27th. Madison had a horrible feeling. In the next day or so, Maurice's sister called Madison and said something chilling on the phone call. She said, just Google his name. We finally get to Philly. We go to the grocery store. We're going to make dinner. We're like super happy and a great mood. And I get a call from his sister, which is weird. I wouldn't normally like get a call from her. I'm in the car, parking lot of Walmart. And she's like, have you seen the news? And I'm like, no, what are you talking about? But then I'm also like already worried because I haven't heard from him. And she's like, just Google his name. And then she just hung up. Nothing else. She just hung up on me. So I immediately just like Googled his name and all of the articles are coming up. I throw up in the Walmart parking lot. I'm like literally in shock. It was the craziest thing. So what the hell is going on? What prompted this cryptic phone call out of the blue? Why was Madison being told to Google her boyfriend by his own sister? What had Maurice done? So to answer all these questions, you know the drill. We got to go back. So those articles that Madison was talking about, well, a few days prior, on the morning of Christmas Eve, 81-year-old Marie Buck was working behind the counter at her store, Marie's Grocery, on the corner of 6th and Titan Streets in South Philly. Marie had been running the store for over 43 years. That's a long time. And she and her husband of 61 years, Michael, lived just two doors down. 
The beloved mom of three, grandmother, and great-grandmother was looking forward to retiring in a month's time to spend more time with her husband and her family. The holidays were a special time of the year for Marie, who dressed up as Santa every Christmas Eve as part of a family tradition and also regularly sang in her local church choir. But the Buck family's world was about to be forever turned upside down. Just before 9 a.m. that day, a man dressed in all black and wearing a hoodie approached the store. Taking just one step inside, the man shot Marie 10 times before fleeing the scene. An elderly friend of Marie's had also been inside the store at the time when the gunman struck. She wasn't physically injured, but she was obviously in an indescribable shock at the violence that she just witnessed. Marie's family was understandably devastated about her sudden and violent murder. So what could motivate someone to do something so awful? The killer didn't even steal anything, so robbery was ruled out as a motive. And that's strange because when you think of grocery stores or convenience stores, that usually is the prime motivating factor when something like this happens. And this just made everything even more senseless. Who would want to kill a defenseless woman who was an institution in her community? Marie was a key part of the fabric of her neighborhood. She was known by locals as Aunt Marie, and Marie's daughter described her as an angel. According to the Philadelphia Inquirer, she knew all of her customers by name and was the type of person who just let those who were going through tough financial times have some store credit. The city's police captain even described it as one of the more horrific murders he dealt with in almost a decade. And Marie's death shattered her family so much that it was soon announced they planned to close the store for good. So despite the fact that Marie's friend was a witness, the killer had his face covered, so it was going to be near impossible to get a firm ID from this interaction. When investigators reviewed surveillance footage from the vicinity of the store moments before Marie's murder, they saw a man double parking in a black Chevy Impala with tinted windows nearby. The driver, dressed in black with his face covered, got out and walked towards the store. Minutes later, he was seen fleeing from the store, getting back into the vehicle and driving away. But as the man's features weren't easily distinguishable, detectives would need more help from witnesses. Unfortunately, they'd also been receiving anonymous tips from the public tying somebody to the scene. And that person was Maurice. He owned a black Impala identical to the one in surveillance footage down to the dents in the vehicle. So police started looking at Maurice's cell phone records. And everything at this point was circumstantial, but nothing was definitively excluding Maurice from the scene. I'm like 99% sure that there wasn't a lot of solid evidence. It was like all circumstantial. They had a ping of his phone like near the general area of the store, but it wasn't actually at the store. I'm assuming you like left it in his car. Investigators soon learned Maurice could also have possible motive. Not only did he have links to Marie's family, but it appeared this was a matter of retribution. But what beef could Maurice possibly have with an elderly woman who was literally just minding her own business? Well, it turns out that Maurice had no issue with Marie, but he did have a score to settle with one of her grandsons and her grandson's girlfriend. And we're going to call them Riley and Allison, but these are not their real names. Maurice was Riley and Allison's drug dealer, and Allison had also been in a casual sexual relationship with Maurice previously. And this is something Riley knew about, I guess, and was seemingly okay with. Six months previously, Allison was at Maurice's place alone while he went out to do a drug deal. Allison was chatting to Riley on the phone, and they conspired to steal Maurice's favorite gold chain, said to be worth between five to $10,000. They pawned it off for $2,000 and used the money to buy drugs from a different dealer. 
Maurice decided Riley was eventually going to pay for what had happened in the worst way possible. He was going to kill him. He planned how he was going to do it, too. Riley worked at his grandmother Marie's store and was due to work on the morning of Christmas Eve. I know exactly what the motive was. He was selling drugs to a couple, a man and a woman. They were together. And I guess he used to, like, hook up with the girl and the girl and the couple. And at one point, she stole a $10,000 gold chain from him. And he still continued to, like, sell drugs to both of them. And I knew that because he told me that all of this was happening and that she stole it and there was no way for him to get it back. And he still hooked up with her for a while after that. I knew that backstory already. Part of what made Marie's death so tragic was she wasn't even meant to be working that day. Riley was due to work, but he overslept. So Marie covered his shift, but Marie's had no idea that any of this had happened. It ended up being that the boyfriend of the girl that he was hooking up with that stole the chain, he worked at that store and the woman who was murdered was his grandmother. And so when I found that out, I was like, this was retaliation. I guess the prosecutors in their case that he was trying to kill the man and not the grandma because he was casing the store and knew that he was supposed to work that shift. He was like going in there to do that and ended up being the grandma. So whenever I realized that it was his grandma, I immediately believed that he did it because I knew how angry he was about that situation. Riley and Allison cooperated fully with police in the murder investigation. And there was no reason for detectives to suspect they were involved in Marie's killing. Of course not. Riley was just as heartbroken as the rest of his family, that his grandmother had been so callously murdered. And I'm sure he blamed himself. I mean, homie overslept. Yeah. And the oversleeping, I would beat myself up over that. I'm not saying he should, but I would. Yeah. No, I know. I would too. So police knew Maurice had a long rap sheet for drug offenses, and he was suspected of being involved in another drug-related shooting back in October of 2015. Late on December 28th, 31-year-old Maurice was arrested. And this was when Madison was at the grocery store and got the call from Maurice's sister, sending Madison in to a tailspin. She didn't even seem upset. It just seemed kind of like funny to her, honestly. It was like she was trying to shock me or like hurt me. She just didn't seem to like take it very seriously. I don't really remember the drive home. I just remember being in like total shock. And then we get home and I'm just like, hysterically crying. My friend like has no idea what to do. I don't even know why I'm crying. It was just like such a shocking, weird feeling. Then the phone rang again. This time it was Maurice. And this was the first time Madison had had a chance to talk to him at all in the days prior and talk to him about what had happened. Probably like 30 minutes after I got home, he calls me from jail. I don't even really remember that conversation. I just remember him on the phone yelling, like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I swear I didn't do it. They got the wrong guy. It was just like very emotional. Fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. No prepping, no cooking, or cleanup needed. There's over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. 
Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Get started today and get after your goals. Plus, Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. For me, I was really struggling to get enough protein. I always do. But Factor's meals are protein-packed, and they're so good. And it's so easy when I'm slammed busy working in the middle of the day to just have lunch right there, not needing to do anything, except heat it up. Head to factormeals.com slash firstdegree50 and use code DEGREE50 to get 50% off. That's code DEGREE50 at factormeals.com slash firstdegree50 to get 50% off. Okay, so listen, we are busy ladies over here on The First Degree, and when I have a moment of free time, I don't want to spend it grocery shopping. I want to spend it rotting on the couch and watching reality TV, and that is why I love Thrive Market. So Thrive Market is a go-to for all of my grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to my doorstop is such a huge time saver. So Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They actually restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So you can go on their website and use their filters to suit any of your lifestyle needs. If you're allergic to a certain ingredient, if you just don't want to have it in your life, that's why Thrive Market is so awesome. So whether you're looking for organic snacks for your kids or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. I love this so much because I don't want to read every ingredient when I go to the grocery store. It's so easy to do it online, honestly, when I'm rotting on the couch. So join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash first for 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash first. Thrivemarket.com slash first. Thirty-one-year-old murder suspect Maurice Green denied everything to police, but by now they knew he'd gone to the store, expecting to find Riley, but unaware he wasn't at work that day. And despite Maurice realizing Marie was working instead, he still went ahead with taking out his revenge anyway, on a completely innocent woman. It was this action that prompted the city's police commissioner to comment, it's downright evil when you think about it, because at some point in time, you knew who you were firing at. You knew who was in that store. It's pure evil. Maurice continued to deny any involvement to Madison. And Madison herself was in total shock for many obvious reasons. She thought she was dating a man with his own business, with his shit together. And now she's having to come to terms with the fact that she had been misled about who Maurice was for more than a year. She had no idea that Maurice even sold drugs. And she had no idea who any of these people even were. In the meantime, the public outpouring of grief for Marie was overwhelming. The devastated community left balloons and flowers on the steps of the now-closed store, and hundreds of mourners turned out to pay their respects at Marie's viewing the following day. Some members of her family, including her daughter, were now calling for Maurice to get the death penalty if he was convicted. On December 29th, Maurice was charged with murder, aggravated assault, three firearms offenses, and recklessly endangering another person, with a press conference announcing the development in the investigation. Maurice still wasn't cooperating with police, and the murder weapon still hadn't been recovered. At the same time, he and his family were putting pressure on Madison to get involved with helping Maurice in any way, like helping run errands to his attorney, and really just like leaning on her as someone to be a key figure in Maurice's life, even if he's behind bars. 
Meanwhile, Madison wanted to distance herself as much as possible from all of this, but she was terrified. She felt like she had no choice but to do what was being asked of her. Maurice's sister felt particularly intimidating in the time immediately following Maurice's arrest. Basically, right away, him and his sister were just kind of blowing up my phone, calling me all the time, asking me to take money to the lawyer that he hired and to go cash out life insurance policies and all these other things. And I was very overwhelmed, didn't know what to do. My emotions were all over the place because I thought that we were like in love. And I immediately am like terrified because I'm like, if he killed someone, then like my perception of all these people were wrong. So now I'm like immediately afraid of his sister. I'm just like terrified. So he didn't have any bond at all. I went there to the lawyer's office to pay them. And it wasn't my money. It was one of his friends had given me money from him. They worked that out. And then I just met the friend, took the money and took it to the lawyer. So I was kind of like doing things like that for him for a little bit. Then one day, Madison came home to unexpectedly find Maurice's sister inside her home. The next day, I wasn't answering his sister's phone calls because I was at work. And I get home and she's inside my house. And so I, from that point forward, was completely terrified that I had to like answer every phone call, like just panicked. And so that's kind of like how I got into the space of like staying with him for a few months and like visiting him and not just completely ignoring it because she knew where I lived and I was just scared. She wasn't mad. Like she never really presented herself as mad. That was the thing that's kind of weird. She always seemed normal and like fine. She was actually there because she said she was trying to get a hold of me to get pictures to him I guess like he wanted pictures to like put up and she was trying to get a hold of me so that I could send them or take them and so she just had brought those over she came all the way in my house and then she was like in the back fenced in patio area just like sitting there so I didn't even know she was there for a little while and then when I like noticed she was just like oh yeah I was just here to like give you these And she gave them to me and told me what to do. And then she just left. It was just like very weird. This felt like an intimidation tactic, which made Madison feel she'd be in danger if she didn't comply with Maurice's family's demands. Like she had reason to be afraid of these people. I think when she showed up at my house, it was, I guess, maybe to intimidate me or to like make it known to like don't not answer her calls because I'm the one that's like in contact with him the most. Part of the reason this freaked Madison out so much was that Maurice's sister had never even been to her house before, and as far as Madison knew, didn't know where she lived. The whole thing was giving off this covertly menacing, psychological power play kind of vibe. And as a result, Madison felt like she had to play ball and go along with what they wanted. She was young, she was scared, and she was in over her head. And as a result of all of this, she ended up visiting Maurice in jail to try to keep up the appearance that she was still aligned with him to some degree, worried about what would happen if she expressed otherwise. I only saw him maybe like five times. And two of those times we were not behind glass and we were like away from guards. And that first time that we were away from the guards, I was like, did you do it? And he just like looked at me with like a long pause. 
and like didn't say anything. But to me, that was confirmation that he didn't. But he didn't say anything at all. So I just was like, did you do it? And he was like, basically like yelled at me and like asked me why I would ask him if he did it. And that the prosecutors were like setting him up because there was a connection between the woman and him because of the chain drug dealing situation thing. And so he basically just said that it was a coincidence and that he didn't do it. And he kept reiterating over and over again that there was no evidence. He would just be like, I didn't do it. There's no evidence. There's no evidence. Like that was just all he would ever say. He was kind of just like manipulating me. Like he'd be like, I wouldn't blah, blah, blah. Like just coming up with all these different stories of like all these like excuses. Madison eventually learned the shocking truth about Maurice's family and the people that she'd met previously at the barbecue. Some of them were in jail for murder. It took a long time for me to put it all together. It ended up being at that party that we went to on 4th of July was not his actual family. It was just friends, which I didn't find out until later. Over time, I did find out that his actual family were very troubled. His mom actually was in jail. I believe she was in jail for murder, too. I don't really know about his dad. Like, all of his uncles and cousins, they were all, like, drug dealers. Like, that was kind of what their family was about for generations. I still don't really think it was, like, purposefully, like, I think he just considered them family. And so it wasn't, like, a huge red flag for me because I didn't think he was lying. But I do now, looking back in hindsight, I think without that piece, if I would have went home to, like, his actual family, things would have been different just from the beginning. Even though Madison realized Maurice had murdered Maureen, she was afraid to dump him, and she was afraid of his associates. So she maintained the relationship. And during their time together, she'd seen a truly frightening side of him. And knowing the evidence was pointing at him as Maurice's killer, she shuddered to think what could happen to her if Maurice ever got out. There was one incident... I was living with him at the time, and this was like six months before the murder. I was living with him, and we got in an argument. I don't remember about what. It wasn't very significant. And he basically threw all of my belongings downstairs. So much stuff shattered and broke, and he's like throwing all this stuff at me and like down the stairs. It was like a version of him I'd never seen before. And I got my own place, but we were still together. So Madison ultimately knew that if she didn't end things now, it would be way harder in the long run. It was her police interview that really gave her this epiphany and gave her the clarity that she needed. I went to the homicide unit and I had like this whole interview and there was like some pictures that they showed me when I got interviewed of his car. I think there was a picture of him walking on the street, but you couldn't really tell fully if it was him, but they showed it to me to like see if I thought that it kind of looked like him. And then when they searched his house, they found a gun case, but they didn't find a gun. So they did have evidence, but it wasn't according to him, like super solid evidence. I remember when they showed me the pictures that I was just describing, like the figure, the dark figure. I knew it was him. I was 100% sure it was him. And I like remember in that moment realizing that he actually did it and like losing all hope that maybe he didn't. I remember I was like crying when they were interviewing me and I was like in a state of shock. And the 
homicide detective was like, you had no idea who you were dating, did you? We already, like, looked all into you. Like, we know you're from a small town. Like, you just didn't know him. Like, you didn't know who this person was or what he was capable of. You need to stop talking to him and you need to stop visiting him and you need to just let this go and start dating better people. He was a drug dealer, but I didn't find out that he was a drug dealer for like a very long time into our relationship. He lied about it and did a good job lying about it. And I think that was more so what they were referring to. Like, you didn't know that he was selling drugs. And if if you did, you didn't know it was like to this degree. And you didn't know about any of his previous charges because I didn't. I had no idea that he had ever been in jail previously, which he did multiple stints in prison. They were just trying to help me because I was like a young girl dating somebody way older than me and just like not in a good crowd, I guess. I took French in high school, and I was so excited that we were going to France for Jack's wedding so I could practice my French, and it was only when I got there I realized just how rusty I'd gotten, and I wanted to communicate in French with the locals there so badly. If you can relate to this experience, then Rosetta Stone is right for you. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You can choose from one of 25 languages like Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, and Polish. Fast-track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a quick and natural way. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's True Accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Rosetta Stone is so convenient, and it can be used on your desktop computer or as an app, with audio companion and ability to download lessons offline. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the First Degree listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com first. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com first today. So if you're a super busy person and you don't have time to go to the gym, or maybe you just don't even want to go to the gym and work out in front of a bunch of different people, you need to check out the Aloe Moves app. I'm obsessed with this app. So it makes it easy to keep your wellness routine on track because they have everything in one place. There's yoga, there's Pilates, fitness classes, mindfulness, self-care tips, healthy recipes, and so much more. So either you're a beginner or you're an advanced person, Aloe Moves has the flow or class that will fit your schedule. Their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending on what you're feeling that day. So even if you only have five minutes, you can just get some movement in. I used Allo Moves all during the pandemic. It was amazing. Like I was on my yoga journey and I was obsessed with it. So you can find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and journaling for those quiet moments, even if you don't really want to get a workout on. And when it comes to sleep, it's just important as fitness and nutrition, and they've got you covered with Allo Moves. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Allo Moves. Go to Allo Moves com and use code first for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com, code first, A-L-O-M-O-V-E-S.com, code first. After being interviewed by detectives, our first degree Madison made a plan to break things off with Maurice for good, but she knew she had to be strategic about it for her own safety. 
She didn't tell him or his family straight away. She maintained contact so that they thought everything was normal. In that moment, I was like, okay, I'm going to accept that, like, he did this. Like, I can't stay with him. I have to come up with a plan. Kind of like all of this was happening, like, subconsciously. Like, I wasn't having these actual thoughts, but, like, I was, like, feeling it. And I kind of knew in that moment, like, all of my communications with, like, him and his family were more sort of, like, protection for myself. And, like, shortly after that, I made a plan to move and, like, leave the city because I knew I wasn't going to stay there and not talk to him anymore because I was way too afraid to do that. So I started, like, putting that plan in action, like, shortly after that. I didn't tell him anything. I just acted as if everything was totally normal on my end. My plan was just to move back home. I had never told him where I was actually from, which... Looking back, I don't know why I never did, but I just lied about where I was from. Maybe I was, like, protecting myself. But when I remembered that, I was like, I can just go home. Like, he's not going to know where I am. And so I just, like, made a plan with my mom to, like, move back home. But I had to wait till my lease was up. And it was, like, six months out. So I ended up staying there for six more months. I still spoke to him all the time. I didn't visit him as often, but I still spoke to him, answered his phone calls. If his family reached out, I would answer and, like, you know, take their money that they wanted me to put on his books. I would take it there and do that for them and, like, little things like that. But I was totally moved on romantically, but he didn't know that. And you'll be relieved to know that Madison succeeded in escaping and moved back home with her family as soon as she could. But this entire experience had completely shaken her sense of safety. She found herself not wanting anybody from her life in Philly knowing anything about her at all. She felt that she had no choice but to block everybody that she knew in Philly, even her really good friends, because she felt that she couldn't take the risk of Maurice or his family knowing where she was and they could track her down. I moved back to West Virginia. There was probably a few weeks where he was calling and I just wasn't answering. And then his cousins and sisters were calling and I just wasn't answering. And then I eventually changed my phone number and just like never heard from any of them again. I just wanted to be so far removed from the situation. Like I didn't want anyone that I had ever come in contact with to be able to find me. There's just like so much anxiety and like PTSD involved that I just was like doing really weird stuff like that. When 32-year-old Maurice's trial began in October of 2018, he pleaded not guilty. Riley and Allison testified for the prosecution, which also presented cell phone records and ballistics evidence placing Maurice at the scene, as well as evidence from another witness who said that on the morning of the shooting, he'd heard Maurice saying he was looking for Riley. The defense, of course, emphasized the totally circumstantial nature of the state's case. So it was hard to tell which way it was going to go. After all, while Marie's friend had seen what happened and witnessed her friend being shot to death, she couldn't confirm the gunman was Maurice, given his face was covered. And this was probably what caused the jury to become deadlocked and caused a mistrial to be declared, much to the crushing disappointment of Marie's family. But Maurice wouldn't be a free man just yet. He remained behind bars in relation to two pending drug cases against him. However, the DA's office forged ahead and a new trial commenced in December of 2019. This time, however, Maurice represented himself. A true genius move, frankly. That always goes well. <laughs> I've never actually heard a situation where it has gone well. Yeah. Been acquitted or... No. Yeah, no. And also, like, your defense attorney, 
you were pretty guilty and you had a mistrial. Why would you fire that attorney? I know. They're obviously doing a good job. Good job. Yeah. (laughs) Strange. Weird. Narcissist. Absolutely. So as he represented himself during the second trial, he claimed the prosecution had no idea what happened because, quote, they weren't there. Incredibly, Marie's friend, who was 92 years old, showed up yet again to testify. She never should have had to do this twice. It was traumatizing enough witnessing the murder of her friend, but she did so, and she testified for the second time against Maurice. This time around, though, there was no question for the jury whatsoever. Maurice was found guilty. He was sentenced to life in prison for first-degree murder and an additional nine and a half to 19 years for firearm offenses and recklessly endangering another person. With Maurice's conviction, Madison was overwhelmed with relief. She finally felt safe. But for a long time afterwards, she was absolutely traumatized and couldn't bring herself to read anything about the case. I kept up with it for a little while. And then I realized that I was continuing to traumatize myself. So I stopped. And then just a couple of years ago, I Googled it again. And the first trial actually went to a mistrial. The jury was like deadlocked. And I was fucking terrified. I was like, great, like, he's going to get out. And that actually sent me into, like, a major spiral because I was, like, so afraid that the case wasn't strong enough and, like, he wasn't going to get convicted. So I didn't look it up. And I also piled by this time, too, so I was even more afraid. And I also didn't tell anyone in my life about this. I was, like, hiding it because it was scary and I didn't want other people to be scared. I was, like, dealing with all of this, like, in secret. I think in 2019 is when he got convicted, but it was like a year after that. I googled it. It was like convicted. With the distance of time and having moved back home, Madison can reflect on the experience and Maurice's behavior in a different way. But even now, she can't help but to feel on edge about trusting people and certain stimuli most of us don't give a second thought to, like a police siren. I had like so much resentment towards him because there were so many lies like basically the entire person that he portrayed himself to be was fake so for a long time I trusted absolutely no one and I still sometimes like struggle with that it was so extreme we like had a very innocent relationship like we went to the movies all the time and we went bowling and we didn't even drink or party together and then it just switched to him being a murderer That was really hard for me to, like, process and get over. I just started to be able to hear a siren and not freak out, which is so weird because, like, why would a police siren scare me? But, like, anything having to do with police or, like, crimes, like, it would just scare me. Like, it just was so terrifying for years. And I just started to, like, process that I'm okay and that, like, what he did has nothing to do with me and I was just a normal person with like an open mind and I didn't want to judge him for like his parents and his family. Maurice appealed his conviction, but it was upheld in October of 2021. Madison still struggles to reconcile Maurice's desire for revenge at any cost. This person who stole the chain and I knew that it was very like frustrating and like something that he hasn't, you know, let go completely. But it wasn't something that he made seem like he needed revenge for, especially to this degree. But I knew that he was struggling financially. And I kind of think that he snapped and like, this was a person that owed him $10,000 and he was going to get his revenge. 
I think that's why he did it. I do think he's a bad person. Like, there's not any part of me that would ever want to talk to him or think that he's a good person. I do think, like, he intended to kill this person, whether it was the grandma, the grandson. There is no doubt that in that split second, Maurice thought his ego was more important than sparing the life of an innocent woman who only ever gave back to her community. Madison can't escape the feeling that Maurice is a sick man for taking out his vendetta on a defenseless grandma. The ongoing conflict she feels between wanting to have empathy for her ex's upbringing while at the same time being disgusted at his actions stays with her today. He was like, fuck it. Like, he's not here. I'll just kill her. And that is sick to me because what does she have to do with it? I think there's a lot of mental illness and like acceptance of being a criminal and just not thinking, not really caring about how your life ends up. And the other thing that always scared me about him was that after he got arrested, he never acted like it phased him to any degree. Like he was totally fine being in jail. He smiled all the time. Like there was never any like sadness or worry. I think sometimes maybe he's a sociopath. What I know about his family and where he comes from, it's like what other choice did he really have but to be a drug dealer? And like that's kind of what happens when you're a drug dealer and city like you kind of just like set yourself up for things like this i do have a lot of empathy for that but i think like the damage that it caused me and like all the ptsd that it caused me i can't feel bad for him but then i just do you know so it's it's very conflicting marie's murder is a tragic reminder of how many people's lives can be changed forever by the selfish split-second actions of just one The ripples of pain and trauma can continue to affect so many people in different ways. People like Madison, who didn't even know Marie. It had to go through extreme lengths of moving back home and cutting herself off from close relationships she'd made in Philly, all just to feel safe. It sounds like Marie somehow wanted to be the person Madison thought she initially was. Maybe he thought he could even be that person. But in some ways, he didn't have much of a chance coming from a family where it sounds like criminal deviance was part of everyday life. However, we're all responsible for our own choices and actions. The consequences of the turning point when Maurice decided to go ahead with killing someone who would have helped him had he simply asked for it are now ones he has to live with, along with the knowledge he's destroyed Maurice's family's lives forever. huge thank you to Madison for being our first three guests for today's episode. If you are listening out there and you have a story to tell, please email us hello at the first Follow us on Instagram, join our Facebook group. We are talking true crime all the time. Join our Patreon if you want any more bonus, not bonus, full length true episodes. crime episodes submitted by our listeners submitted by our listeners and stick around tomorrow because we'll have a brand new episode of killing time right in your feed. And remember only you can prevent serial killers and keep your friends close but not that close shout out to Jared Monaco for scoring original music for the first degree producing by Caitlin Cleveland writing and research by Gemma Harris sources for this episode are court documents the Philadelphia Inquirer the Associated Press CBS News NBC Philly Action News, WPVI-TV, 
and WHYY News. And as always, our first three guest is always our largest source. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. 